Hi and welcome to MEMcast. This week we have Dr. Basia Suko with us, who's a respiratory physician at Pilgrim Hospital. We're going to be talking a bit about multi-drug resistant TB, latent TB and non-tuberculous mycobacterial infections. Hi Dr. Suko. Hello. So we'll start with the nomenclature that is commonly used. We previously talked about drugs susceptible to tuberculosis. Today we'll be talking more of drug-resistant tuberculosis and this is tuberculosis resistant to either isoniazid, ethambutol or paracinamide. Multi-drug-resistant tuberculosis, commonly known as MDRTB, is tuberculosis resistant to isoniazid and rifampicin with or without any other resistance. However, Resistance to rifampicin is thought to be a surrogate marker for multi-drug resistant tuberculosis. Extensive drug resistant tuberculosis, commonly known as XDRTB, is resistance to at least isoniazid and rifampicin, one injectable agent which could be either capromycin, canamycin or amikacin and fluoroquinolone. You can see that these other medications are actually second-line medications. Drug-resistant tuberculosis includes monoresistance, which occurs when there is a resistance to any of the standard anti-TB therapy, and it accounts for about 8.4% of cases in the UK. Isoniazid resistance is the commonest and is about 5.5%. Multi-drug resistant tuberculosis, as we have stated earlier, is resistance to rifampicin and isoniazid. It has been found in 107 countries and accounts for about 3.5% of all TB cases worldwide. And in the UK, it accounts for 1% of cases of tuberculosis. It is treated with five to seven drugs using the second line drugs depending on the drug sensitivity testing and the treatment goes on for 9 to 11 months you have an intensive phase of treatment and then a continuation phase of treatment previously we used to treat these patients for 18 to 24 months occasionally these patients may require surgery we have some new drugs which have been approved for the treatment of multi-drug resistant tuberculosis and these include bidaquilin, delamanid and pretomanid. Extensive drug resistant tuberculosis accounts for 9% of cases of multi-drug resistant tuberculosis. There were four reported cases in 2018. Treatment is usually done at the regional centers with expertise on the management of such cases. The main investigations you would do for patients with drug-resistant tuberculosis would include sputum for acid fast bacillae. You would collect two to three specimen samples and sent off to the lab for TB culture and drug sensitivity testing. The culture will be done using the Lewenstein-Jensen solid medium which grows the acid fast bacilli within six to eight weeks. 
or you could use the Batek 460 liquid medium which grows the bacilli within three weeks. Strain typing is done using whole genome sequencing and clusters are done using mycobacterial interspersed repeat units and variable number tandem repeats. N-I-R-U-V-N-T-R. Samples could also be obtained from bronchial washing and the bronchial ultrasound scan samples obtained, media stenoscopy, video assisted thoracoscopic surgery, plural biopsies could also be obtained and sent for TB culture. PCR, nucleic acid amplification test, adenosine deaminase test could also be performed on samples obtained to get a diagnosis. Imaging is extremely important and this would include x-rays, CT scans, MRI of the organs that are affected. Routine bloods, as we have stated earlier, which would include full blood count, ESR, usernese, LFTs, vitamin D levels, thyroid function tests, HIV screen, hepatitis B virus and hepatitis C virus serology. Gene expert MTB rifampicin test, which is a rapid molecular test, could be done to rapidly diagnose tuberculosis and rifampicin resistance, which like we have alluded to, could be a surrogate for multidrug resistant tuberculosis. Other tests could include the oral swab assay, which is transported in the prime stone molecular transport medium and is used for triaging suspected tuberculosis patients, particularly in resource poor countries. The importance of strain typing and clusters would be to help identify TB patients potentially involved in the same chain of recent TB transmission and provide an opportunity to better understand the epidemiology of tuberculosis or multidrug resistant tuberculosis in any given setting. It will also assist in initiating timely and appropriate control measures following cluster and outbreak investigations. Next, we'll talk briefly about latent tuberculosis infection. This is a dormant subclinical infection it's usually asymptomatic. It just suggests that the individual has been exposed to TB and is not infectious. The chest x-ray is normal. The screening test that is done for this is the tuberculin skin test, commonly the MANTU test, and interferon gamma release assay, commonly called EGRA test, which include quantiferon TB gold assay or the T-spot TB test. It is important to identify patients with latent TB infection in low incidence countries so that they can be treated as they could reactivate in the future within five to 10 years. Therefore, we treat them with rifampicin and isoniazid for a period of three months 
or isoniazid it alone for six months or we could give 12 weekly doses of rifapatine and isoniazid. We'd also talk briefly about non-tuberculous mycobacterial infection. This is widely distributed in the environment. It's an organism that could be found in the soil and water, which could be natural or treated water sources. There is no evidence of animal to human or human to human transmission of non-tuberculous mycobacterial infections. Human disease is suspected to be acquired from environmental exposures. The incidence rates varies from 1 to 1.8 cases per 100,000 persons. About 125 species have been identified and catalogued. The most common clinical presentation of non-tuberculous mycobacterial infections is predominantly in the lung or it could involve the lymph nodes or the skin or soft tissue. Sometimes you could have a disseminated presentation of the disease. Some of the species are Mycobacterium avium complex, which is widespread and is seen in patients with AIDS or even patients who are not immunocompromised. Mycobacterium cancerciae is seen in patients with AIDS. Mycobacterium abscessus is worldwide and is seen commonly in patients with cystic fibrosis. Mycobacterium marinium is also seen worldwide. Mycobacterium ulcerans tends to cause ulcers. Mycobacterium chelonae is seen in patients with AIDS and also in non-AIDS immunocompromised patients and could present as skin lesions. Mycobacterium malmoens could affect the lungs and is found in patients in the UK, in Europe. Mycobacterium fortuitum could also affect the lungs. Mycobacterium xenopy could again be seen in patients with AIDS and it's seen in Europe and Canada, also Africa. Mycobacterium scrofulaceum is seen in South Africa. It tends to affect lymph nodes. Pathogenesis. Lung disease with regards to non-tuberculous mycobacterial infection tends to affect patients who have structural destructive lung diseases such as COPD, bronchiectasis, cystic fibrosis, pneumoconiosis, previous tuberculosis, and pulmonary alveolar proteinosis. Also, it could be present in patients who have oesophageal motility disorders, HIV. There are two main types the rapid growers that form colonies in seven days or less and the slow growers that form colonies in more than seven days. The main investigations we would do for patients with MTM would include chest x-rays, CT scans, sometimes MRIs may be required, sputum for microscopic culture sensitivity, acid fast bacilli, 
TB culture, drug sensitivity testing. However, it is important that sputum is obtained on a weekly basis. Routine bloods will be done for these patients. The main form of treatment is macrolides, which could be either clithromycin or azithromycin and rifampicin, ethambutol. Sometimes patients may require intravenous aminoglycoside, which could be either micacin, canamycin or streptomycin. Usually, two or three drugs are used in the treatment of these patients. That could either be azithromycin, rifampicin and ethambutol. The duration of treatment is 18 to 24 months or 12 months after sputum conversion. We'll discuss an interesting case. A 57-year-old Asian gentleman recently traveled abroad and presented with fever, weight loss, cough and hemoptysis for a period of a month with associated night sweats. He used to work as a school driver. He went to see his GP based on his symptoms and his GP treated him with antibiotics and requested a chest x-ray. The first chest x-ray showed a relatively large irregular cavitating consolidation present in the left lung upper lobe with a small irregular patchy opacification present in the right lung upper lobe. Three weeks later, he had a repeat chest x-ray and this showed that the cavitating consolidation in the left upper zone had worsened in comparison with the previous chest x-ray. He deteriorated and was now admitted to hospital. A CT scan was requested and the report showed a thick-walled irregular large cavitating lesion in the left lung upper lobe with multiple nodular infiltrates in the left lung upper and lower lobes and a few nodules in the right lung upper lobe. There was a small left basal pleural diffusion and borderline enlarged left hilar and ipsilateral mediastinal lymph nodes. Now, how would you investigate this gentleman? What is your working diagnosis? What would you do next? We would investigate this patient by doing the following test. This would include sputum for AFB, TB culture, drug sensitivity testing, routine bloods, which would include full blood count, ESR, user knees, LFTs, vitamin D level, HIV screening, hepatitis B and C serology. Our working diagnosis based on the clinical presentation and our assessment of the patient, this would be pulmonary tuberculosis. Therefore, we'll start him on anti-TB treatment, which would include rifampicin, isoniazid, ethambutol, parazinamide. These are the medications we use for the intensive phase of treatment. We would also add Pyridoxin, which is vitamin B6, 
and the reason for this is that some patients could develop peripheral neuropathy from isoniazid. We would advise this gentleman to stop working for two to four weeks, possibly more. It all depends on how he responds to treatment. We would also need to contact Trace as this man is a school driver. Now, a few weeks later, sputum shows resistance to rifampicin, isoniazid, ipambitol, and parazinamide. However, it is sensitive to ciprofloxacin, amikacin, and streptomycin. What is your final diagnosis? What will you do next? You can see that the patient's sputum did show resistance to first-line treatment for tuberculosis, suggesting that this gentleman has multi-drug resistant tuberculosis. Therefore, we would have to stop his current treatment. His drug sensitivity testing is showing us that he is sensitive to some of the second-line drugs. Therefore, he would need to be commenced on a different set of drugs, which would include the second-line treatment, particularly those he is sensitive to. So he would need to be referred urgently to a regional center with the expertise in managing patients with multi-drug resistant tuberculosis and he would have treatment for 9 to 11 months. Usually the intensive phase of treatment is about 4 to 5 months and the rest is the continuation phase of treatment. He will be monitored very closely with regular blood tests which would include the usual full blood count, use and ease and also the liver function tests. If it's developing side effects to his medications, this could be altered depending on the drug sensitivity testing. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Suke. And thanks for joining us for this week's Mancast.